Hey you guys, you're listening to episode 32, season 3 of the Boat Rush Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Stowe, and my co-host, Scott Nelson. Man, Scott, how's it going, man? Hey, Travis, what's going on, buddy? Just living life, man, just living life. (laughs) Honestly, I'm just getting really excited with the season three being just the new beginning of our episodes, a new beginning of our show. We're not a new podcast anymore. We're seasoned. So even though we're not new we're better. And that's a cool part about why I'm excited about what we're doing. But, uh, you know, how's everything going with you? Man, I've been doing good. It's been a while. We're, we're really going to start cranking up some uh, some podcasts here. And it's been a little bit since I've been on. You know, life uh, life comes up and, and those curveballs at you every now and then. I completely but agree. Uh, but we, we have so much lined up. You were, you were fortunate enough to uh, be able to get up to ATA. Uh, I couldn't make it up, but you made some really great connections, uh, got a lot of information from a lot of people. And really, I, I think that's the pivotal stuff that's going to set this season to be a phenomenal, phenomenal season for the My Bo Rush podcast. Tell yeah. us, uh, you know, tell the listeners a little bit of some of the people you talked to up there, some of the things you found out, or just something really cool you saw while you were up there. Well, you know, you're right. I mean, getting up there to ATA, everybody kept telling us that this is the place to be to get to meet the the manufacturers in person. They're creating these awesome products that us as bow hunters are wanting to use. And so I finally you know, bit the bullets. We figured out a way for us to be able to get up there. And uh, the people that I met, I mean, we're talking not just the manufacturers. We're talking, these are even celebrities, people you've seen on TV, people you've read in magazines. So just kind of like throw a name a few out there, but we have like Leon. Tiffany they're going to be coming on. There's uh, the Kiefer Broys from the Drop Project Alaska. They're going to be willing yeah. to come on and talk with. That's going to be exciting. I can't wait to get them on. Uh, we have a guy that is a butcher that was locally in the area but he talks, he's willing to come on and share like recipes that you would not be able to get unless this was like family uh, tradition passed down. But he's willing to share some of these things. Instead of having to search on the web, he's giving it right to us. And I, I can't wait to get these people on but then going into the the actual products, the companies, we have people from uh, Scentlock. We have people from each of the bow manufacturers, even now going into bow fishing, which we haven't even tapped into. This is a whole nother market in bow hunting. Uh, when you're not able to go hunt during the off season, you can now go bow fishing. And so we have some really stellar uh, conversations set up to bring them on and to share with you guys. Man, that's awesome. You know, talking about some of the people that you met up there and some of the some of the companies more specifically, you know, something we haven't done yet is bring some of these products, you know, to the forefront, talk about them, get experts on. And then we're even going to be able to give, give some products away going forward uh, from a couple of these companies. So there's some awesome awesome things we have coming out with podcasts one specifically in the way i think it's best to kind of kick off kick off this season of the bow rush podcast is, is this episode episode 32 where we're bringing on brian he's with gerber and, you know i say gerber and you guys already know we're going to be talking about knives but really we're going to talk about a, a whole lot of other things as well personal experiences from an expert and they make other things outside of just knives. They're the biggest contractor for the U.S. military in knives and tools. And tools are sometimes the coolest thing that, that we get to take out on backpacking trips. So let's bring Brian on, talk to him a little bit, get to know him, and then jump right into it. Awesome. All right, Brian, are you on the line? Yes, sir. Well, Brian, you know, welcome to the Bowers Podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to share with us and our audience the, the, the history about Gerber knives and some of the new products that are coming out. Yeah, not a problem. Happy to do it. Hey, Brian, just so I don't butcher it, how do you say your full name so our audience can know it? Not a problem. It's Brian with an I and then Petrucci. 
uh, P-E-T-R-U-C-C-I. Uh, Petrucci works fine. Petrucci. Petrucci is going to be accepted in most places. Petrucci <laughs> shouldn't be mentioned. Petrucci is... It's, it gets butchered everywhere. Um, a lot of people just call me BP, um, but it's... Um, <laughs> so you're a gaffy guy? <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> so you're a gas guy? Yeah. BP. <laughs> oh, you, I am. You, you full of it. <laughs> High octane. So, Scott, how about you get it started? You know, everyone knows the name Gerber. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone uh, that you ask to name a, a knife manufacturer in, in Gerber isn't, you know, one of the first, if not the first, to, to come off their lips. But n- I don't think a ton of people know, you know, a lot of those those key features about their history. Um, sure. The huge support of the military is, is a big one. And I think that's kind of a vital thing to talk about. From where you stand, what is, what's your synopsis of Gerber, where they started, and kind of some of the mm-hmm. founding principles that, that are still vastly visible in the company today? Yeah, it's a great question. And Gerber um, started in 1939 and uh, in Portland, Oregon, and still remains to this day in Portland, Oregon. Uh, our manufacturing facility um, and our office headquarters are uh, in the same building, uh, which is great from a um, the product development standpoint, quality assurance, oh, yeah. um, and, and really um, <clears throat> employing and providing for um, you know, 220 plus uh, people in that building. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's where we're headquartered. It's where we were started, um, and still today. Uh, so, um, pretty, uh, you know, you just driving by, you can see the sword, uh, and, and the shield, uh, emblem from the highway. Um, you know, it's a symbol in the community and it's one that, uh, you know, I take a lot of pride in and, and there was a company that I had earmarked for, for years, uh, even prior to my employment there. You know, Brian, I don't mean to jump in, but one of the things I remember when I met you at the ATA this year, something that triggered my mind was that, uh, you said that you've been wanting to work for Gerber knives for a very long time. And there's a story behind that, isn't there? Could you elaborate on that? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it's funny, uh, for the, for the sake of this call, I actually went and grabbed, um, three of the knives um, that are kind of all built off the same chassis. Um, But one of them is my first official Gerber knife that I purchased. The uh, Gerber just still manufactured here in the Portland facility. And yeah, it was an, it was one of my first, you know, major knife buys. Uh, A buddy of mine and I bought it uh, when I was 16. I don't want to get too much into into my actual age but um, you know that was a that was a number of years ago we'll leave it at 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 least 20 um years ago and you know it was just a a knife that has survived at least i don't know a dozen moves a number of transitions and you know different different experiences globally and you know it's i still have it to this day uh and, and you know i just always had a fond affinity for for knives in general but uh that knife has, has been with me um, for over 20 years. And, you know, I just, you know, I had a list of, of ideal companies that either matched my uh, interests or, you know, reflected uh, some of my beliefs and, and, and things that, uh, that, I, that I hold near and dear. And, and, and Gerber really, when I 
you put the the power ranking to those. It was one of those companies that kind of checked every box, and for me, it was a um, it was kind of a no brainer. And uh, when I moved out here to Portland, Oregon, uh, over seven years ago, it was just it was you know knowing that they were here and knowing that they checked all those boxes and, and ultimately getting that opportunity. It was, you know, it, it really has been uh, just a great experience and has opened a lot of doors and, you know, tapped into a, a lot of those other adjacent industries that, again, I, I value. They're part of my uh, my value set, archery being one of them. So, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's awesome. That's great. You know, what exactly is your role at Gerber? So, uh, general business card terms. I am our channel manager. Now let's define that. I am the um, <laughs> I'm the guy that puts together the. Uh, basically, you have uh, independent dealer networks. Uh, you know, think about the first place you bought your bow or mm-hmm. uh, the first gun shop you went into. Those are brick and mortar independent dealers. Um, mm-hmm. I run that segment of our business. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, I'm our channel manager. I'm also a training manager, which officially don't put on a card, but you know, another gentleman and I, (laughs) it's one of the hats, man. I, uh, yeah, I need more hats. I'm bald. So uh, (laughs) it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the things I do, but at at Gerber, it's part of the culture too. You know, I think you'll see, uh, again, everyone will have business card, but uh, you know, a lot of folks wear a lot of different hats and it's a great community of, uh, of good people. So when you're thinking about the distributors that you work with, you basically handle, I guess, all of the elements of the hunting side, the survival side, the everyday use side. That's pretty much your department, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, there's categories, right? Um, Mm -hmm. There's, to your point, there's the hunting, um, you know, the fishing, the camping, the outdoor, the tactical, the, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it kind of crosses a bunch of different channels and, and, and markets. And basically, if it's a <clears throat> non-chain or non-commercial business, that's kind of my area of focus. Mm-hmm. Well, so dealing with all those all those different uh, different sectors, you probably mm-hmm. see a different lot of different buying habits. And, and there's a lot of you know the the 16 year old kid that that used to be going in and, and making his first big knife purchase. Um, talking, mm-hmm. to, talking to them directly because a, a lot of those guys and a lot of the women that we have listening, you know, they're really starting to think about, you know, going and buying a, a, a serious knife, putting some thought into it. What's mm-hmm. something that you see uh, that these people going on purchasing knives either extremely overvalue or undervalue when it comes to a feature set? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I think, you know, like anything in life, um, you know, know yourself before you know you know, what you want. And I, and I, I, you know, a knife is a, is a tool. It's an extent and it's also an extension or reflection of, uh, of, of the person, you know, I mean, knives can be, you know, some people, you know, it, it the, the major call out might be that they just want something flashy. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, in all intents and purposes of, you know, a knife is a tool and, that, and to understand yourself and, and the applications that you may encounter or the way that you want to use it, because um, knives can be very specific. Um, you know, you take, for instance, a vital line, which is our uh, scalpel-style blade. You know, that's very specific. You're not going to use that for for anything other than soft tissue, right? So, um, you know, there is, you know, my recommendation is the knife should feel comfortable um, and be confident, and you should be confident with it in your hand, because. Um, 
you know, it, it's a knife, it's a tool and it's, it, it, it need, you need to be comfortable operating. You need to obviously respect it, but you know, we can get into steel types. We can get into opening, closing mechanisms, uh, blade shapes, edge types, um, and boy, you, those are all rabbit hole conversations. Um, but what I, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but I, you know, what I tell people is, you know, what I consider to be a nice knife or a good knife or the best knife mm-hmm. may not be for the next person. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a very personal decision. Um, and, you know, I always encourage people, if, if you go into one of those stores, hold them. You know, that's why they're under the glass case. That's why they're in front of you is so you can you can pick it up and hold it. And, and if it if it feels good and again, you could check those boxes, that's the knife for you. Um, and unfortunately, in, in today's world, I mean, you could do a lot of research. Um, everything's available to you. So do your research. But more importantly, Hold, try to try to hold the knife uh, to see if it's something that you want to carry or you want to put on your belt or is going to be functional in that in that application that you you may use it or the, the way you want to carry it. You know, let's dive into that real quick. When you're talking about the EDC, and if some people don't know what that means, that's everyday carry. But when you're thinking of the everyday carry, there are different regulations for each state that you're in based on the type of knife you can carry. Is that correct? Yes. Now, thinking about that, most places allow about a two-inch knife is usually the standard, but there's other states that have different sizes. So now, if you're looking at purchasing a new knife and you're on the web or if you're at a store, what would be a a decent starting knife, an EDC, for someone that's looking to buy a knife to carry for everyday use, and how would you go about that? Yeah, you know, that's a, that is maybe that is the the best way to even start a knife conversation is mm-hmm. cue the cue the lawyer voice or cue the uh, <laughs> voice is make sure you know and understand all of your local knife laws uh, mm-hmm. uh, because knife laws will vary state to state uh, knife laws may even vary um, in cities and in, in different municipalities so um, you know you, you just uh, you want to make sure you research and know those things first um, and you know most of your dealers, um, you know, what, if they're if they're a major, you know, if they have a knife focus in their store, they probably know their knife laws. So, um, you know, if you're if you haven't researched it, you can do that. Uh, I also st- send people to the AKTI, which is the American Knife and Tool Institute. You can usually go down by state, look on the map, and find you know your state laws. Um, but you know, it's always good to ask, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, anyone in law enforcement uh, in your community, uh, but try to know and understand those before you make that knife purchase. Definitely. And we, we get a lot of people that call in and um, or a lot of people that are listening to listen to these calls. And one of the things they're always listening for is kind of, you know, the the personal experience. You know, me and Travis, yeah. we always say that, you know, we're in by, by no means the expert on any of the talks, topics we talk about. We know a fair amount, but we get the guys on that do know what we're talking about. So from your own personal side, what are some tasks or activities you're doing in a daily, weekly, or hunting season basis? And, and mm-hmm. what are some characteristics that you personally look at as far as performance or standards? Sure. So, I mean, you know, I, Hey, I, I obviously work for a knife company and I have a, (laughs) I have a dedicated drawer in the house with, you know, I, 
probably lost count at 34 knives in it right now that are, you know, there's a lot more, but those are kind of those daily, uh, you know, knives based on, you know, the type of apparel that I'm wearing. Um, you know, some are G10 coated, some have uh, higher pocket clip mount, some, mm-hmm. you know, are tipped down, some are tip up. So, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, how, you know, how, what I plan to, to do that day and what I'm wearing at the time. Um, but you know, for me, with your knife. (laughs) Exactly. It's a, again, it's an extension of the, of your own person. Uh, and I firmly believe that. I mean, there is, uh, you know, I can't say I'm a black belt and knife nerdery, but I'm I'm getting pretty high. Um, it's, uh, it it really is, uh, it's personal choice, but, um, for me, what I look for is, if I'm going to be camping, for instance, or I know that it's going to be a backpack in type camping scenario, you know, the, the, the classic fixed blade knife is, is, is just one that um, can't be ignored in that type of application. I'm not saying that you can't carry a folder or you can't carry a, uh, a lightweight um, uh, fixed blade or, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's what you're comfortable in carrying uh, mm-hmm. and what you're confident in using. But uh, in, in that scenario, a um, like a Gerber strong arm, full fixed blade, full tang, um, 420 high carbon steel knife is, uh, it's a great knife to carry. And, you know, we can get into the steel types, um, you know, as we, as we progress here, but, you know, for, for, for that type of application, I can put an edge on it if I, if I have to in the field, I can also, <clears throat> I can do a number of things in a, in a camping, backpacking survival scenario. For my everyday carry, again, it's going to be, you know, if, it, if, I'm, if I know I'm going to be uh, in PowerPoint Excel world all day, um, obviously going to have my knife with me. I'm not going to probably, I'm not going to carry my LMF2 or my strong arm. Um, yeah. But I'm going to carry, uh, you know, a knife that, you know, you don't know what you can encounter. Uh, you may have to cut a seatbelt um, free. You may have to cut zip ties. You may have to do a whole number of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I carry a knife that, uh, you know, typically a folding knife. Um, Oregon is an automatic uh, state where you can carry an automatic knife. Uh, and it's not <laughs> uncommon for me to carry our Propel automatic or our Propel <laughs> assisted open. Well, ex- um, explain that one if you would, because I think that's probably a, a term that a lot of people don't don't understand. What really designates mm-hmm. an, an automatic or an, an assisted knife? So, I mean, an automatic, uh, you know, there are different types of automatic mechanisms, meaning there's out the front, there's out the side. Um in, in, in an automatic knife, it's either a button uh, or a um, a switch that you push or a um, a tab that you would push that would actuate, would start the, the, the knife into an open position or, or get the knife into an open position. And yeah. assisted is exactly that. It's assisting on the deploy, meaning you're going to give some for some pressure or force to a button, to a flip, uh, to a flipper, mm-hmm. um, to a thumb stud rather, um, mm-hmm. to a flipper, and it's going to deploy that knife for you. So it's they are different. Um, they do open quickly, <laughs> both of them, if it's a, <laughs> a well maintained knife. So you know, I 
I carry uh, assisted and and uh, and on autos regularly, um, but my easy outs are, you know, it's for me, it's a lockback knife where the locking mechanism uh, to 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 close your knife is on the back side. So mm-hmm. uh, I like I like lockback knives, just very comfortable with them. It's a very uh, the, the metal surfaces engage uh, very well, you know, and that's. Again, maybe that disclaimer is, you know, a lot of people ask me, what, what's the best locking mechanism out there and, or what's the best knife? And, and I'll be honest, I mean, a knife that's been well-maintained, that's sharp, uh, that has, I mean, that has a great edge that you, that you properly maintain and take care of. And then a locking mechanism, you know, it, it's, it's as good as the person that's using the knife. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're going to use it, and, and twist it and, and, and do the right things, you're, you know, you're going to damage the knife and potentially yourself or other people. So take care of that knife. Like, like mm-hmm. you take care of anything else. It's a, it's a personal belonging and, and, and a, and a tool. Right. And, you know, answering that question, cause, cause I've got that number a number of times when we're talking about knives and someone asks, you know, well, what, what's the best knife out there? And it's <laughs> such a variable question that, you know, I, I've come down to, you know, the best answer to that is the, the best knife, knife out there is the one that will do the job that it's meant for. It, you can do be doing any number of jobs. If you don't have the right knife, it may be the best knife in the world, but if it's not meant for that job, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you're using it in, a, in an intelligent way, safe way, and you've properly maintained it, I mean, I think you can apply that theory to more things in, in the world <laughs> than any and, and get by and be successful. But it's uh, it's the truth. You know, I get those questions all the time, and I'm sure your listeners are, are, are probably wondering that too or have asked you that question. They ask me at every show. It's, well, what's the best knife I can get? It's, well, are you looking just for the best steel? Are you looking for mm-hmm. something you can carry? Mm-hmm. Um you know, are you? It's what are you trying to do with the knife? What are you going to What are you going to do with it? And and, mm-hmm. and and let's take let's take a look and, and hold some. Because um, if it's just a hey, it's going to be my going to be my pocket every day. Boy, there's that there's that rabbit hole. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you gotta uh, really really look at the product, ask those questions, hold it, and and see what's most comfortable with you. But again, properly maintain it because it is a tool. Would Would you? You could have the best circular saw in the world, but if you have a crummy blade on it, what do you got? Um, Junk. It, it's, you know, like anything else. Well, I mean, it, with this being based around hunting in the outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and archery specifically, you know, yep. the amount of money people dump into all of their hunting <laughs> equipment and, and a knife is part of all of that. And it's, it really, yes. when it comes down to it, other than, than a bow, um, it's one of the most vital things that, that you're going to use, you know, so if, yep. you, if people just ignore it or don't pay attention to, to a knife and they may go, you know, a season or two seasons without ever, you know, fully cleaning it, really doing some proper maintenance to it, sharpening <laughs> it. And it just, it drives me crazy. They flip out their knife after they've, they've just put down, put down, a, you know, an, an elk or a mule deer yeah. white tail and flip it out and you look at the blade and you can, you can, you can see the dull edge on it. You're like, okay, so how are you planning yeah. on spinning this out right now? <laughs> yeah. And you're, you know, your, uh, your, your pant, your, 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 your cloth or your, your jacket or anything is not the best way to clean it. Um, no, no, it is not, <laughs> you know, you know, and it's, you know, for, for that application, you know, I think knives again can be very specific. You know, I, I talked to a lot of people that buy these giant and I'll gladly sell you a giant fixed blade knife. Um, mm-hmm. that's not, 
the hunting specific knife and you could use it, but you know, it's getting that right uh, knife for the job. I mean, in, in the type of game that you're hunting, um, you know, that's, that's also going to help drive that, you know, and, and keeping it properly maintained. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people, we, as archers, right, we spend a lot of time at the range and, and I think you perfect your craft there and you become comfortable the same type of, I'm not saying you need to, you need to strop your blade 3000 times before you get out there for deer season, but it, boy, it's great to make sure that it's in proper working condition before you head out. Cause the last thing you want to do is harvest oh, an animal. And, you know, unfortunately like knives are really cool and they're really fun, but boy, when it comes to hunting, it's the worst part of the hunt. That's, uh, that's, uh, you know, you, that's when you're, you're really putting it to use and you want to use it quickly, right? Well, the only way you're going to get quickly through the application is if you have a, a good knife that's uh, that's ready to go when you need it. Absolutely. You know, doing a little educational side on, on this, we've already alluded to it two or three times in the first part of this part of this podcast. But um, still, you know, what really is the difference between a, a 420 carbon steel and mm-hmm. the number of other varieties that, that are manufactured out there? Sure. That's a great question. Um, actually teaching a class tomorrow on heat treating. And great problem. I don't think people are aware of, by the way, <laughs> they don't understand uh, that that's done <laughs> and why it's done. Yeah, it's uh, it is a, it is a science. It is extremely important. And to your to your question or your point, uh, both the most people, you know, will say, "What steel type is your knife?" And I don't care if you if you have a if you have a you could have a four twenty high carbon. Uh, blade and you could have a uh, CPM um, S30V all right and you're making the same blade shape but that 420 has been properly heat treated it's going to have a better Rockwell number a higher Rockwell number than than that other uh, that other knife with CPM steel um, mm-hmm. And it's probably going to have better edge retention because it's been properly heat treated. Sure, the, the the actual metal type is important. Can't lose sight of that. But the heat treating process is something that, you know, and, and it's nothing that you put on packaging, right? It's nothing that, oh, that's been heat treated to, to this temperature this many times and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you're going to get the glazed look and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, people yawning in your face. But the... Um, it is important to to realize, and, and and you know, for me, you could, you know, certainly if it, if it's a if it's a CPM steel and it's coming from a uh, a trusted manufacturer or or knife maker that you know it's been it's gone through all those things and, and most and, and uh, you know there's a ton of great knife makers out there and um, you know the CPM steels are you know when you start getting into the uh, you know S30Vs of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do get better edge retention there, and yeah. um, you know that's you know our new Gator. You know we have, we have our Gerber Gator that we've had out for years and sold you know millions of of, of those knives. And a lot of people you know they'll say, oh, I own a Gerber, and you see them kind of uh, flexing their hand. It's probably a Gerber Gator because it's, they they're trying to uh, mimic the the rubber textured grip. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and that's a 420 high carbon steel uh, knife that's made here in Portland. And then we we uh, we just launched our Gator Premium, which is a uh, kind of built on that same heritage um, of of a confident gripped U.S. made knife, but it's an S30B. Now, if I was to take both of those out and you know. Um, you know, shot an elk and now I'm working on processing or, or gutting, cleaning that animal. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would I would say the the S30V is going to outperform from an edge retention that that Gerber Gator that's made with 420. But again, I think you, you, you could take both of those knives out there and they've been, again, you've sharpened it and you've had it ready for the hunting season. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to complete that application. They're, so they're people, both great knives. So people going out and, and again, going back to those guys who are purchasing guys and guys who are, who are purchasing knife, you know, I think the common question is always, Oh, well, what kind of steel is it? And, mm-hmm. and when you when you go around that whole scenario, really the the bigger question would be looking into the Rockwell rating and the edge retention on it. That is that you do you think that's a more vital way to really determine the quality of a knife and, and with what you're going to do? Uh, progression of edge retention and Rockwell hardness. Mm-hmm. Um, what you see is you know you have a 420 high carbon, and then from a, in Gerber world you go 420 and then a 154 cm. And then you go into an S30B and then a few hand boutique, you know, select knives that we've made with S35BN. Um, that's that, that progression from like good, gooder, better. And best. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Well, you know, with, with Gerber, people do know them as, as knives, but really, yep. there is just a, there's a vast amount of products you guys carry and it's not just knives. Most of them are some kind of blade, but you guys do mm-hmm. shears, saws, gutting yep. hooks. Um, and one that actually, I just found the other day looking in and with me being an archer and with this being an archery podcast, I'd, I'd be amiss if I didn't mm-hmm. mention it, but it's uh, an archery tool. And correct me if I'm, it's the span archery solid state tool. Is that correct? <laughs> you got it. Nailed it. Perfect. Um, that thing looks, yeah, I'm, was, I'm uh, you, I found uh, it. That thing looks awesome. And I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Cause that will help me dramatically from losing Allen rushes. <laughs> yeah. You're not kidding. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, uh, well, I appreciate you calling that one out. Uh, I was a product manager for Gerber. That was one of my, you know, the span line was one of the, the products I brought to the mm-hmm. market. So, uh, yeah, the span, uh, is, is part of a, um, there's a there's actually two span um, products out there called the span archery and then the span shotgun tool and in the, the the whole premise behind design premise was about uh, around those was make something that's a solid out of a solid state of metal um, yeah. that doesn't really have any moving parts to break to lose to um, you know to to to, to really compromise when you're out in the field and need it most. It's a, it's a simple tool. It's, um, but the archery tool, yeah, we, Gerber is, you know, we're our, our, we are the number one supplier of knives and tools to the U S military. So, um, you know, yeah, we are a knife company and we were founded on knives, but, um, you know, we, we have, um, you know, the exact number of tools. I, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but yeah, multi-tools, we have our span archery tool, mm-hmm. um, you know, our span shotgun tool, our short stack, which is uh, an AR specific tool. We have, yeah. uh, we have uh, actually four, um, I believe it's four AR specific tools out there now. And, you know, from an archery standpoint, you know, the, um, it's a great market for us. I mean, it's, it ties right into our heritage as far as, you know, 
knives and tools, things like the, uh, the span. So it's, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, we're not just, I'm glad you brought it up. We're not just a, uh, big fixed blade Mark two that you, you know, you've seen in movies. It's, you know, we make, we make a ton of product that, uh, to meet the diverse needs of all, a bunch of user groups. If you, if you can, could you go a little bit further in depth of what that tool is and some of the, the, the tool sets that you have built onto it? Because some of our listeners, the guys and gals that are listening, you know, I'm pretty sure they would like to know why it might be something as an archer that they should go and look at their local distributor and see if they have one. Sure. Um, so it's a uh, made in USA out of 420 high carbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a solid sheet of steel. Um, and we basically, we laser cut it out. Um, he treated it and it's, uh, it's what it has is um, a number of, um, you know, commonly used uh, tools. It has a bit driver on it, and we give you uh, a whole number of bits with it from Torx to Hex uh, because we know that, you know, different optics, different mounting systems, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, you know, it's a fastener. Um, <laughs> your bow has, I don't know how many, you took the average bow, how many fastener types are on it, but uh, what we try to do is equip you with with the most common, um, it does have a quarter quarter inch uh, bit driver on the bottom. So even if it's something that we didn't provide to you, you can customize what you put uh, in the bit carrying case that locks onto the side of the of, mm-hmm. of the uh, of the span archery tool. It does give you a broadhead um, uh, wrench or removing tool, so you don't have to again grab uh, the exposed edge there. We also include a uh, draw through sharpener, so. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're working on that animal and you need to put, you know, a quick field edge on. We give you that. And we also put a honing rod on your bit carrier. So, uh, really? you know, if you need to, yeah. So if you need to touch up that broadhead or if you need to, you know, you, you did the draw through on the, with the carbide, uh, sharpener. Now you can go and, you know, do a couple passes on the, uh, on the honing rod and you know, tune it a little it, it, Exactly. And then it's all in one spot, right? You have all of these things. You're not, you know, hey, big shocker here. A lot of hunting seasons are in the fall and winter. It may be frosty and cold. You know, you're trying to, to open up a, a, a tool or, or fidget with, um, you know, with, with, a, with a bunch of moving pieces. This isn't that this was designed to be simple and very intuitive and easy to use. And then the ever so famous, most important tool on there is the uh, bottle opener, so you can celebrate the harvest, as uh, we say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's yeah. I'm glad you brought up the span. That is one that I think uh, took the last eight hair follicles off the top of my head as far as projects. But it's a, <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a great tool. I keep one with all my gear as far as uh, my my archery equipment. So. Um, I have to say the Bridehoe tool was very appealing to me because if anybody's heard any of my past episodes, I very or I've been notorious explaining that every year I seem to slice my hands up because every time I should think about this, but I go ahead and just grab the broadhead and like, oh no, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to slice my thumb up. I'm not going to slice up my finger. And sure enough, I do. I mean, some really thick cuts, but uh, this tool, I can see that being a huge advantage specifically for my purpose. Yeah. It, it's one of those things on the tool. It's like, I just show that and then kind of, I don't drop the mic. I don't usually have one, but it's, um, <laughs> it's a great thing to have. And, you know, you know, it's, we're all guilty of it. We've all sliced the, you know, the side of our finger trying to remove a broadhead or tighten Mm -hmm. it back down or, you know, I've got a, you know, I'm a little obsessive about it. I, I'm, 
constantly checking to make sure it is tightened down and you know that's when you get it it's every time it goes every time that arrow goes on the on the bow sits in the rest and every time i reach up just to make sure that it didn't wobble loose and i and you know an hour and a half later when deer walks out i shoot a loose broad i was hunting in colorado and i mean again colorado cold two feet of snow yeah Brand, I bought finally sucked it up and spent money on a really solid set of gloves that I could wear to shoot archery but kept my hands warm first thing that happened first morning reach up to tighten that down brand new broadheads make sure they're sharp they were so sharp oh. they went in sliced right through the brand new gloves that I just spent almost a hundred dollars ooh that sucks yeah yeah, so having that tool is something that's, that is absolutely vital. I can crank it down, and I have that peace of mind of I know that I have this great tool that, that you guys made that tightened it down, and I'm good to go. About how big is that is is that tool? Oh, boy. Um, I should know this off the top of my head. That's part of the design feature was the where it tapers down and you have a driver. It's actually that is meant to go between um, – you know, your, your middle finger and ring finger. So you can kind of get that T grip. Yeah. So, you know, picture it almost like, um, you know, it, it doesn't exceed the, the width of like a, um, you know, if you see the T handle hex drivers, it's, it's kind of that size. So it's, it's a palm of your hand tool. <clears throat> That's what she said. That's, gosh, that was perfect timing. That was I didn't know Michael Scott was on the line. <laughs> Uh, so it's a little bit bigger than a credit card, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I would say probably a little bit bigger than a standard iPhone, but yeah, you're not, you're not talking about, you know, excessive bulk or weight. Again, it's a, it was designed to be, you know, you know, minimalist, everything you need, you know, packed into one. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it actually, it was, you know, part of the sizing and dimensions was, is it something that I can put in my back pocket? Not that I would sit in a tree stand with that thing in my back pocket, but. <laughs> well, especially, uh, especially when you're out shooting, especially if you're doing, you know, wood shooting, you don't want to carry around multiple things. If you can't just walk around with your back pocket, that's a, that's a good size. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it should fit. And, you know, it's, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty happy with, and, uh, you know, again, the made in Portland, Oregon piece is something that uh, with that with that tool, we, you know, there's uh, we like to hang our hat on that as well. Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty cool little piece of uh, hunting gear you got there, and I can't wait to get my hands on it and really try it out and see how it works with uh, my tool set. I know we kind of briefly went over a little bit about this, but you you mentioned a few times in our conversation about the vital line. If you could, could you elaborate a little bit more about what that line is for? And I believe that you've had a few uh, transitions from uh, different versions of it. I think you get the latest version now. It's a little different than before. Is that correct? Yeah, we have a, uh, it's a whole family, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the vital um, you know, folding and fixed blade, uh, mm-hmm. disposable blade, mm-hmm. um, tying knife is, um, you know, those are two of, um, seven items in that family. Um, and, and really the whole design, um, you know, or, you know, design, concept. uh, concept and focus, you know, is when you talk to the hunter, um, you talk to the, the end user, which, you know, it's a very user-driven product. It's, you know, that's what we do in these applications. It's, it's go out and hunt and actually, 
design the tool around what the user wants and needs for the application. And, and the vital family, you know, I mentioned it earlier is when you, when you involve Gerber knives and tools in your, into your harvest and your hunt, it's at that point of time when you are, you know, you're cleaning your animal and, you know, you're preparing it for, um, to, to break it down and, and to process your meat. Um, so, you know, we wanted a tool that allows you to do that faster and with more confidence um, and, and control. Um, and, you know, what we've done is, you know, hey, it's a, it's a disposable blade, but we just mentioned this with the broadhead removal is, and you're interacting with something that is very sharp. Even when you've started to dull the steel or the blade on a disposable, that means you have to remove it and put a fresh one on. Well, you're, you're still grabbing a blade. Um, so what we wanted to do was look what was on the market. How do we improve it? And <clears throat> a lot of hunters are using, uh, um, you know, a lot of our, uh, you know, a competitor of ours that has a disposable blade, but in order to get that blade off, you have to either use pliers, um, or another tool to do it. And we wanted to do, we wanted to release something that still uses a scalpel, but, allows you to quickly and easily remove it without that fear of getting stuck. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the, the vital um, addresses that with a quick release and um, it does work. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's nice knowing that you can remove that blade, um, you know, cause you, you know, you should, the first, the first uh, indication that your blade is starting to dull, replace it. That's the beauty of those. And you always have something that's extremely sharp and allows you to, to, to move quickly and confidently through your game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, you know, the, that was part of the design feature for the fixing the folding blade vital. Uh, but the whole vital family uh, carries some of those characteristics. We, uh, we use a, uh, a rubber over mold on the grips um, that regardless of the, um, you know, whether it's mud, mud, blood, you know, I don't want to, you know, Rain. it's whatever Rain you got, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, you, you know, you have this instrument in your hand and you're, you're trying to get through again, that application and that whole vital family carries those characteristics with confident grip, great ergonomics, great value. Um, you know, let's face it. There's a, there's a large number of us hunters that, the reason we hunt is that we want to provide good meat, good food uh, for ourselves and our family and our friends. Uh, but we also know that there's cost benefits if you do it the right way. Um, you know, there's a value to hunt and there's a value to, the, to that product line. It's it, it, it's priced very, very well and it meets, um, you know, the budget of, of most hunters. Um, you know, it, it's not, it, you know, it, you can grab a, a vital folding knife and, a, and, and the skin gut hook combination um, knife, you know, knife or tool, fairly reasonable. You know, the, the, even the bone saw, you know, it's a small T-grip saw and it's, you know, all, you could put all three of those in your pack and, you know, take up uh, very little space and it's lightweight. Um, it's going to perform. They all carry a lifetime warranty. So, you know, and, and each of the tools are, you know, very, very uh, competitively priced. So, 
you know, it's a vital family. I'm glad you brought it up. It's something I get excited about because, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I use it and it's, uh, I have my own set and it's, it, it's, it's sold, it's selling very well. I mean, I, I don't know if you, if you can recall at the uh, ATA show, we had a pretty much a forefront product line and been very successful for us. So, so really once you've harvested your animal, whether it's mm-hmm. a bear, an elk, mule deer, whatever it is, if you have the vital line with you, um, that's, mm-hmm. that's really, that covers everything. It has a product for everything you need from skinning it to deboning to gutting. It, there's a product for every aspect of getting, getting that game packed out and getting getting it off the mound right pretty much you know i um you know what i will say is as far as that gear that kid up you know i think the bone saws are especially the bigger you know you start getting into into you know some exotic hunts or some backcountry hunts mm-hmm. boy you know you you know you can get by with just one knife you know if you really have to but boy you know i i you're gonna hum a different tune um i'd rather go in a little bit over prepared so mm-hmm. you know my you know my recommendation is carry a vital folding knife you know keep the 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 the, the bone saw with you if you plan on skinning out the animal skin gut hook is is a great tool and it, you know again it comes with a sheath too so it's mm-hmm. you know put it in the sheath and you know, you have those three vital family members in your in your bag, and you know I'm a big, big advocate though of still carrying just a dedicated knife. You know, there's countless stories at at, at our booth at our company of boy, I remember the one time I went out just for a quick hunt overnight out to the cabin and. Boy, something really bad goes wrong. And, and, you know, you don't wish that on anyone, but it's great to hear people come back from those things and say that my my Gerber Gator or my, uh, you know, my, my Gerber fixed blade Gator knife, gosh, I'm really happy I had it because, you know, I ended up having to baton wood that night yeah. or, you know, I got... I got caught up in a in a rope and I had to you know had to cut myself free, which is my own Gerber story actually. And you know I always tell people like the vital line is great for for that for that hunting application, um, for that oh no application. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> the, 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 this, is why we, this is why we're prepared. Situation. <laughs> so you're saying you had to cut yourself out of something? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, so was a parking attendant. <laughs> you know that hazardous job of parking vehicles at an amphitheater. Um, so I, you know, I, we were wrapping up at the end of the night, and you had to wrap up a number of uh, ropes, you know, that connected the barrels. And um, you know, somebody thought it'd be funny about 50 yards ahead to start pulling the barrels as I was wrapping it around, you know, for you know, around my my hand and then around the the backside of my arm, kind of in a large looping. Yeah. But when they pulled it 50 yards ahead, the, you know, the 50 yards that were wrapped on my arm decided to go with them and it immediately cinched down on my, on my, you know, around my entire arm. So, um, wow. You know, it, it's without, without even thinking, you know, it's one of those things that how did you, you know, being scraped up and, on the ground, the sensation was immediate to not have, you know, any blood flow in that in that part of your body anymore. Uh, almost like you know, you it falls asleep or your funny bone's been hit. And I just quickly just started to saw and cut it, uh, cut it free because I had again that Gerber Easy out that I bought a summer or two before that. So I have it um, actually that the 
the clicking noise that you might be able to hear in the background is that same knife I just opened up. Yeah, to this day, you know, that, that knife got me out of a hairy situation. So I, I recommend it, you know, to people. Is It's a tool. And in that case, that tool could have been used to open a box or open up an envelope, but it just happened to cut the rope that was cinched around my arm. So, you know, be prepared. <laughs> be intelligent. Yeah, absolutely. It's the unexpected that you normally don't think about. Yeah, you know, and, and it's the unexpected that, you know, you, you just got to live your life knowing that there's going to be unexpected. I mean, you can't be fearful of it. You got to just maybe embrace it. And that's part of that journey. And that's for the, that's where, that's where those podcast stories come in. <laughs> well, you know, you were saying earlier that you, you're going to, you have a class teaching tomorrow and you do some educational yep. classes. You know, when, when people talk about guns and there's, there's obviously training course after training course on how to, how to handle your weapon, what to do in certain situations, certain scenarios, you know, there really is, there's multiple people to do that same thing for knives, for understanding how to use it, when to use it, mm-hmm. you know, the, the correct ways to use it. Um, do you guys do that? Do you do that? Or did you have some recommendations on how people can find out more about actually how to handle their knife? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the first question, you know, first answer is, uh, we don't really do anything to the general public as far as knife education. We, you know, we just, we, we don't have, uh, the, I guess, resource, the, the dedicated resource to do it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we're obviously available at, you know, ATA, SHOT Show, you know, various shows, grand opening events around the country, but nothing dedicated. Uh, what I recommend people to do with, with knife knowledge is, is, one, look at them, you know, the AKTI is is a great resource and you know it it gives you a lot of those those basic just laws and understanding knife another recommendation is if you know of a specific knife retailer that's credible ask the questions you know i mean it's you know there are survival schools there are there are a ton of people that will offer classes of different types and, and different you know verticals of knife usage um, do your homework on it for sure because there are a lot of people that that don't know and, and try to <laughs> and, and, and you know there is nothing more scary than seeing somebody flipping and tossing a knife around at a show and trying to trying to muscle through an application with it make sure that you, you do your homework and really and, and really ask those those hard questions ask the person their their familiarity with it with like the actual working knowledge <laughs> if they if they if they don't know then you know i would be literally before i jump in you know an expensive class that's made me actually get you worse in a situation right yeah the, the big drive point is just making sure you get comfortable with your knife i mean it's it's a tool it's a weapon uh Mm-hmm. With you, you know, you were comfortable enough with your knife at that point in time when you had that rope wrapped around. First instinct was pull a knife out and start start cutting away, uh, you know, r- right next to your arm. But you you felt safe, you felt comfortable, you knew how to do it, you knew how to handle the situation. So it's just getting people to that same level of comfort with a knife in their hand. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, respect it for sure. Don't buy it and then throw it in the drawer and, and, and never you know, use it saying that you, you've checked the box and now you feel safe because you have a knife in your drawer. It's no, it's something that it's a tool that, you know, that you're going to use. It's like anything else. You don't just, you know, and you and all three of us would agree that two nights before archery season, just go into a, your local bow shop, 
um, mm-hmm. and just watch the people <laughs> trying to buy a, you know, or not trying, they are going to make that transaction. But boy, I just, I really, uh, I really get nervous over, over decisions like that. I mean, I think that you need to get comfortable with your knife and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and know it and, and, you know, it, it's definitely there's a relationship there between you and your knife. That's not weird, but um, <laughs> it's only weird if you want it to be. <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, you know, sharpen it. Learn to sharpen your knife. I mean, that's a great starting point. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I think that you know, in, in, there are definitely resources out there to, uh, you know, just Google how to sharpen a knife, and there's your rabbit hole for the next 18 years. You're not going to get through all the videos. It just, you can see there are a bunch of options there, but you know, there's a lot of professional knife sharpeners in this country, in this world that you could, you could, you know, and, I, and I've had a lot of just, Hey, do you mind if I come and check out your shop and, and hang out with you yeah. uh, and, and learn what you're doing? I mean, you know, ask those questions like anything else, just ask the question. You'd be surprised how many people are willing to help you and, and show you and, and talk edge types and how to properly maintain a knife. And, you know, you're going to find you know, different things that work for you. We, you know, I, I have my entire knife sharpening set up in the basement and that's kind of where I go and want to zone out. That's what I do. Well, if you think about it, that's basically the same kind of thing when people are going into becoming a, an archer or starting to shoot compound bows. I mean, you have the people that just want to learn. Then you have the person that wants to take to the next step and actually learn more about the bow they have. Yeah. Well, it applies just like if you're going to be sharpening your own knife. Initially, a long time ago, anytime I needed to get my knife sharpened, I just took it into a store and handed it over and let them do it. But as I have progressed through and learned more skills, I started sharpening myself. And you kind of get a good gratification knowing what you can do when you do it yourself. I mean, the the knife, you touch it, it's like incredibly sharp. It's so sharp that you're now splitting your thumb. You're like, oh crap, now I get some stitches. <laughs> You know, kind of joking aside, but that really does bring into the the element of, you know, it's really easy just to let someone else take care of the equipment, let someone else make sure that it's in the perfect shape and form. And uh, in, in fact, for like the knife situation, making sure that it is as sharp as possible. Let's say that you're out in that field and you don't have that reliability on the person, but if you've taught yourself and you've learned how to sharpen the knife, that just kind of adds to that extra level of comfort that you know that because you sharpened it, you know the quality of the knife. You know the quality of what you've done. You feel confident in your skill level at sharpening the knife, which just makes you that much more confident in the tool, the knife itself, in that it's going to do its job. So, you know, the same thing with your bow, arrows, your gun, your camping gear, everything. If you yep. maintain it yourself, you know the conditions and when you go pull it out of the sheath. And you know it's going to be, it's going to be up to the task. Absolutely. Now, have you ever had that moment where after you've sharpened your knife and you know how good you did, and then someone comes up and says, man, can I borrow your knife for a moment? You are you just sit back and kind of think, mm, I don't know. <laughs> 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 Only every day at work. Yeah. That's, that's the knife that's in my left pocket. You can use, that's, that's, my, that's my giveaway knife you can use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's uh. It, I think you hit it on the head. The sense of accomplishment, the um, you know, the the ability to to learn something that is it's sustainable. It's part of today the society where you know it's it's great to be able to get your sandwich delivered to you in less than fifteen minutes. It's good to get the um, you know things done quickly for you. Uh, do a quick search online and, and find those answers. But a knife is 
two million years older. It's older than that. I mean, it's a tool that was, you know, they're still finding artifacts that are, the dating is, is, is just, I mean, they're made out of, you know, stone and, and, and bone. Bone, um, yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, it, it's a tool and, and keeping, keeping that, that bone or that stone or that, that piece of wood sharp uh, or edged. And that was an, that was an everyday thing for, for people over, I mean, up until even today, it's a, it's a skill set that is definitely worth knowing. I mean, I just, my neighbor just saw me as I walked in the house and said, I have four more kitchen knives for you to sharpen if you wouldn't mind. I mean, it's, and it's, it's so funny. It, it surprises people that like, that you just take their knife and you return it to them the next day and it's, it's sharp. It's Man, just, how'd you it, do that? Exactly. It's, it's something that we've been doing for 2 million years. But it's still a sense of accomplishment, and, and, and the door is always open. I, I always tell any any of my neighbors or any of my coworkers they want to learn to sharpen a knife. You sit, put it on the calendar. Let's go do it. So, what's in the game plan for for Gerber? You know, whether it's you know two months out, year out. What's where's kind of their focus? Where are they trying to grow grow into? What's what's their key market that really you, you have your hands in that you guys try and progress in? Well, I mean, I think the um, our core business is still our, our core business and will be. And that's, you know, that is the, um, you know, we're our global company, you know, the, the, the soldier, the, the public, the public servant, you know, and, and this is in no specific order, the, the American hunter, uh, the North American hunter, you know, those are, those are two very large categories for us. And, you know, and, and even the industrial or the, you know, the, 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 the working person in the field, um, those are all key categories, you know, three major buckets that <clears throat> we have unique products for each of them. Any, any secrets you can let us in on? Give, give our, give our and viewers a little, <laughs> little, little heads up. Yeah, we do have a, uh, we do have an anniversary series automatic knife that is getting ready to ship soon. You know, the, the Gerber 06 automatic is a flagship heritage uh, knife. It's celebrating its 10th anniversary. Uh, it, was a, it was a knife that we used, we were awarded a U.S. military contract with 10 years ago. And uh, we we're doing a, a, a small limited anniversary series knife uh, to commemorate that. And that's probably going to hit the shelves in May. Mm-hmm. So keep a heads up for that. That, that is a uh, pretty cool product that I'm excited about. It's, you know, it has some changes from the, from the initial 06 auto that we launched 10 years ago, mm-hmm. an S30B full fine edge uh, blade with uh, OD green Cerakoted handle. Really nice. good looking knife. Yeah. It's, it's sharp pun intended. The, um, and, and that's available only at those brick and mortar, you know, true independent dealers, you know, in your, in your towns, in your cities. Uh, we also have a kind of a, a new slash old pocket folding knife and pocket clip folding knife. It's a heritage knife family called the 39 series. Um, oh, cool. and those will be, uh, also shipping here in the next couple months in three different colorways that are all Cerakoted locally here in Portland. The 39 series commemorating that 1939 launch of Gerber. So, oh, wow. uh, 
you kind kind of that classic classic pocket folding knife, you yeah. know, um, something that you know you'd you'd put it in your pocket even if you had another knife, you know, clipped in your pocket. It's it's just uh, it's a nice classy look. Your grandfather's knife. Exactly, it's it's a timeless piece, and that's what the goal was. You know, we're doing a limited run of that as well. Uh, those are a few things that are coming out. We also have uh, we do have a new machete coming called the Clear Path, and uh, it, it's that's what it's designed for: clearing that path, Clear getting path. your blind. <laughs> Exactly. Getting to getting to where your your hunt destination is, and that's that's a few months out. It's but you know we did a lot of research here locally with it. You know the knife pro- the the knife and machete product manager and myself. We went on the field. We blazed the trails. We get to a duck blind, which I found out in Oregon means that you're walking through I don't know twelve to eighteen inches of a sludge um, to get there, and you're going to be chopping brush and weeds out of the way. So, it, you know, we did a few things ergonomically and visually to make it um, stand out so you don't set it down and lose it once you're in the blind. And it works really well. You know, there's there's some there's some other things I, I can't really say I'd love to. I'm kind of chomping at the bit to tell you. But, you know, those are, yeah, no you know, those are a handful of, of items that are new. Mm-hmm. Um, that are that are exciting and, and and very relevant, you know, in the marketplace. So, what are the best places for our listeners to find some local Gerber dealers? One, GerberGear.com, great place to look at and, and start researching any of the products that we have. We have a new website. Website allows you to easily search based on activity, uh, based on mechanism. Do you want a fixed blade? Do you want a assisted open? Basically, allows you to to narrow it down and, and see what what you're looking for. You know, if you if you search, you know, Gerber knives online, you can usually find a number of dealers and, and local local dealers that that specialize and carry our knives. You know, we are a, a pretty sizable, I guess, bringing a full circle company that a lot of people know and recognize Gerber. There's a number of large retailers as well. Your big boxes of the world do carry Gerber, and you know, I think a great starting point is GerberGear.com. Yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal company with the with history everything behind it some the new stuff coming out uh, a couple of the key things we talked about with with the archery tool the, the uh, span yep. archery solid state tool and uh the entire vital line uh, it's just you guys cover everything all, all the way all the way up to machetes so every tool we need really we can pretty much get get from from gerber yeah i think uh you know and when in doubt you know, we're, we're serious about the contact us piece of it. You know, if you have a question, make sure you, you know, you go through our, uh, our website and ask that question. Make no bones about it. It's a lifetime warranty. And I tell people that it's uh, it's something that we see it every day. Knives that come back from the front lines that have been, uh, you know, used, abused, blown up, you name it. Um, you know, that knife is a uh, that knife and tool is, is covered and make sure that you, you know, that's what we're here for is to make sure when you buy a Gerber product that you're, you are buying something for life. And uh, we want to make sure that that knife works properly for you and that, and that tool. And we stand behind it. Mm-hmm. What does that warranty include you? What's the, what's the base of that warranty? Well, I'd say, um, <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. No, it's, I mean, we cover it pretty much everything except for it getting lost. It's hard to, to, to know what happened to a knife that the handle fell off or, or, or broke. You know, it is hard to know the, you know, the, the scenario there. You know, most people just call, they, they reference that they have a, a broken knife and we, we try to get it taken care of for you. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't say that you you lost it and we're going to just send you one. That doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but if you break it, you know, it, or if it if it fails, it's 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 covered under warranty. It's pretty impressive if you if you read a lot of our reviews. You know, you'll hear people say that like, oh, I bought this knife, kind of sucks. I broke this part, uh, but the service is great. I got it returned in less than two weeks. I got a brand new one. You know, for us, it's um, it's just something that uh, you know a lot of people will slap that on the uh, on the on the box, but it's something that we really do stand behind. No, oh, that's absolutely that's phenomenal. Oh yeah, uh, you know something I was going to ask you when when we first started this whole this whole podcast was. You talked a little bit about Gerber, and you're driving. You're driving down the highway, and you look over, and you know there's a building with 220 people in it, and you can see the shield and the sword. You know, obviously, yep. my my first thought is the shield and sword. The shield and the sword um, have to do with the military side. Is that true, or where did where did that logo come from? I mean, it's a very distinct <laughs> logo that everyone recognizes. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, I mean, it's you know we've uh, initial logo and initial Gerber design. You know their branding was a, a sword and a stone. And, um, you know, uh, I want to say it was five years ago. Um, I may be mistaken on the, the timeline, but, uh, we did relaunch the, um, the, we, we basically, we did a rebranding exercise and, and that new sword through this, which is a shield in the shape of a G for Gerber, um, right. was, is, is what came out of that. Um, um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great design, um, but it also does represent, it's, it's bold. It's, um, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lasting impression. It's a great brand image. So we, um, you know, I'd say it's four or five years ago, but it's, it's, again, it's right off of I-5. If you're ever in the Portland market, it's, you can't miss it. It's, um, it's just south of the city by maybe eight miles at that. Okay, so you know we are a bow hunting podcast, and so you know one of the main key components about our show is we love to share stories. But we gotta have something that we can we can share with our audience. So think of like a campfire setting. If you're just laying back and you're you know drinking a couple of beers and you're you're telling you know tall tales. But uh, you know what 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 did you do recently or even in the past that's something that was hunting related? Boy, you know it's um. There's, there's, there's one every season, right? Um, and, and if you buy me a beer, I'm going to give you, I'll give you, you know, one for free, buy one, get one. The, uh, you, you don't always kill something, but you always end up having, having a story at the end of the season. You know, I, uh, I've had, for whatever reason, turkey season has always been, uh, the most interesting stories have come out of it. Um, you know, and it, Typically, I'm not at the cabin as much uh, during turkey season, but, um, you know, maybe because it's such a short window of time that I am there for, uh, for turkey is always, maybe I'm just condensing all the craziness and putting it into this, this few, those few days that I actually get out. Um, so, uh, boy, you know, I'd say that the, uh, you know, the, the one, I guess, funny turkey story is the, uh, um, the first time I, I went turkey hunting, um, you know, with a, with a good buddy of mine at, at, out of our cabin area, um, you know, the guy's just a legend and, you know, he can, you know, he can have the, the birds practically, uh, eaten out of your hands. And in this case, it almost ate out of my boot. Um, and, uh, I was <clears throat> kind of leaning over, not that you should be, should be seated and kind of looking for it. I was, I thought it was a good idea to lean over or lay over top of a hay bale uh, or, a, um, <laughs> you know, a, a square cut bale of hay. And, 
and and he's sitting next to me and um he's calling he's calling he's calling and i could literally see his eyeballs jumping out of his head and i I, the birds are literally you know two gobblers are you know right behind me is what i can tell and you know i looked over and as i did it was standing it was stepping over top of the back of my boot wow as you can imagine you know the turkey and i had a bonding moment there. yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> and it jumped up and flapped and it, you know it, it it pushed off literally of my boot and it um you know, heart's going 100 miles an hour. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, and I, and I, I'm trying to stay still again at this point after I've already, already, already moved. And the crazy thing is that you know, the we thought we were busted. It was over. You know, I was kind of like, oh man, sorry, I couldn't sit still. But lo and behold, about I'd say another 20, 25 minutes later, the same group of birds kind of wandered, wandered its way back to the field. And actually, got one. So that's um, awesome. It was just one of those things that, like, you know, I, your first time hunting and the damn bird steps on your foot. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> do they always walk right up to you? Because this thing, this was a thing, like normal. <laughs> yeah, and the, the other time was, uh, you know, I just, you know, it was just a, another turkey story. But, you know. Are you I in a petting zoo? <laughs> it was a, oh, that's why everything was locked up. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, uh, you know, the other, I guess from an archery standpoint, though, I mean, it, you know, you know, a good story is just, you know, that knowledge transfer. And I was able to take a first year archery, our first year hunting in general person from, uh, from Gerber with me and get him out to my cabin about 35 miles west of Pittsburgh. I'm on the West Virginia border for any of those listeners there. We'll uh, give that shout out. But, you know, to, to, to take that person out who's never done it, who's never climbed that tree, sat there in the dark and, and, and then all of a sudden see a dozen deer kind of walk underneath you throughout the day. You know, it's just one of those stories that I always like, because that's, that's, that's why we all, that's part of the reason we do it, right? Is oh yeah, absolutely. That community around us and, and get people involved. So, you know, for me, that's, that's a, uh, you know, that's a, those are, those are the types of stories that we should all aspire to do and want to do with our, our friends and families and, and, and people that want to get into the, into the activity. Oh, absolutely. Well said. You know, before we wrap it up, is there any other product related things about Gerber that you might want us to touch on or? No, I mean, I, uh, guys, I, I, I really appreciate, you know, the invite and, you know, it was, uh, it's a great dialogue. I love talking about this stuff. Obviously, if there's any questions that, uh, there's a, a part two. Oh, I'm sure there will be. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk to you about it, especially as we get closer to hunting season. You know, we can even talk about some of those other new items that are launching later in the year. Yeah, and it's uh, it's great. I'm uh, I'm excited about it, and it was a good time. So, Brian, honestly, thank you for coming on the show, sharing about Gerber, the history, the products they're coming out with, giving some insight on how to choose the right knife. You have some great knowledge, and I can't wait to bring you back on, dive in more details, and pick your brain when it comes into the science behind knives. I think this could be pretty fascinating. I'm pretty sure our audience will love that too. So, But again, honestly, thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Right on, guys. Well, uh, y'all be safe, and uh, thanks again for having me on. And, uh, again, if you ever have any questions, just please hit me up. Oh, oh yeah, we will do. Definitely. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. We'll see y'all. So, you know, Scott, I think this was a great episode talking with Brian. Uh, I mean, 
one, I've always had a pocket knife. I always, and I use the term EDC for everyday carry, but you know, knowing more in depth what type of knives to potentially think about when purchasing and even getting out to finding the right tool, like the question you asked, it doesn't matter if you have the knife. If the knife isn't the tool you need, it's not going to get the job done. So even though it seems very technical, it's in fascinating how much information you can really dive into when talking about knives no kidding you know it, it's really cool to see the backside of it and really start to grasp that they're not just knives yeah one of the po- things he kept pointing out was they're the number one contract for the u.s military with knives and tools so i really urge you go to gerber's website uh, www.gerber.com and just look through there they have page upon page of, of all the different cool tools that they actually have and they make more than than you really think they do so make sure you go check them out on there it was it was great to have them on a lot of insight you know it's one of those guys that when we tell you we're bringing you the experts to kind of talk about products or talk about you know their experience in this industry you know this is one of those those true forms of that he is a knife expert and you know like i said he's he's basically a uh, a black belt in knife nerdery so you know <laughs> yeah. we love bringing guys like this to you to you guys and we're going to do this the entire season guest after guest after guest that they're the guys that with the experience the girls with the experience so make sure you tune in you know season three this is it's a new beginning i mean one of the things about it is we're not new anymore but we're getting better and, and I can't wait to see how this season three plays out. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great season. We have a lot of people lined up and we're still filling some slots. You know, we want to make sure we're bringing you guys some some quality education, quality products and, and a lot of knowledge that will help you out when the season starts coming around and you're starting to get back uh, in the woods, starting to get back on the hill and you're chasing game. And thinking about the reach that we have, our best reach right now is through our audio and through the podcast. Podcast and trying to build up our social connections through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It takes a lot of work, and this is stuff that we are slowly, progressively getting better at. But if you haven't had a chance, it only takes a minute of your time. If you go to mybowrush.com forward slash follow us, it will give you links to each of the social accounts. If you could just share and follow us, that would help us tremendously when exposing ourselves into another level of communication. Because again, our reach right now is through our audio base, which is growing. But we do want to start tapping into the social connections, but we do need your help for that. Yeah, and keep in mind, you know, with this season, we're going to be able to actually give away some of the some of the products and some of the lines of some of the people that we have on, including uh, some stuff from the Vital line from Mike that we just talked to. So follow us on Facebook, follow us on the, on all the social accounts. We'll put out some things there as well as during our podcast on how you guys can get some of these really, really, really super cool items that we're getting from the manufacturer. What's good about this is that we're still keeping it non-biased. They're coming on to share with us and we're sharing with you. We don't have presets of what we want to share. We're sharing with you information so you can make the right decision on when purchasing. Absolutely. Well, Scott, man, this was a, a great episode. I'm so glad you were able to come back on. And I know that you know as we're progressing, you'll be able to come on more and more times. And I know that the audience are going to be happy about that because they've been asking. And so uh, it's good to have you back on. And I guess let's uh, 
let's stay tuned for the next episode coming up absolutely you know as always thank you guys so much for tuning in thanks for pulling the podcast up and listening never hesitate to reach out to us if you have a question ask us send send us an email and we'll make sure either we'll let you know when we have an expert from that field coming on or we'll get someone that we know is an expert with that question in touch with you. They'll get it answered. We're all about helping you guys grow grow as hunters, hunters, outdoorsmen, ad- adventurers. So never hesitate. Reach out to us. We're really happy that, uh, that you pulled the podcast up today. All right, man. Well, uh, I guess that's it for today. Another one's coming down the line. So, you know, stay tuned and listen for the next episode of the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm Scott Nelson. I'm Travis Stowe. Let's see. We still don't have a tagline. No, we don't. Um, oh, here. How about this? <clears throat> and make sure you keep tuned in for the next episode of the Rush Podcast. <laughs>